Um, before I begin, I just want to acknowledge, and I, I think I do this every year, but you know, we have new people tuning in and new people at our church. Um, Father's Day is a complicated day. Um, Mother's Day, on the other hand, there's a lot of love and, you know, a lot of joy. But Father's Day um, gets a bit complicated. Um, For many people, Father's Day is a celebration um, of their earthly fathers or or the father of their children. And and it's a great celebration. Um, But there are also many people where um, they can't be with their father, whether their uh, fathers have passed or their fathers are um, not with them. And I I guess even this year, even more so in lockdown, um, there's so many um, people that probably haven't been able to meet um, their fathers. Um, But also, um, you know, there there are people, the word father is not necessarily a, a positive word in their life. And, and I just want to acknowledge that. You know, I, I just want to acknowledge that and, and, and just um, right from the get-go, just acknowledge that it's not, it's not as easy and simple um, every, yeah, for everyone. Um, you know, not everyone is, is uh, lucky to have a, a good father. But, you know, I, I really believe tonight, regardless of who your earthly father is, I believe our heavenly father um, has much to say to you tonight. So regardless of your uh, circumstance, um, I pray that tonight that you would be able to hear um, the, the voice of our God uh, and that he would be able to speak um, encouragement and truth into your life tonight. So um, there's a saying, any man can have a child, but not every man becomes a father. Uh, Having a child is the result of biology. Uh, You know, when a man and a woman, you know, um, if you don't know, Go and ask your life group leader where where babies come from. <laughs> That's going to be an interesting question for for you guys. Becoming a father is is a different story, and many people would agree that just because you are the biological provider of your physical being does not immediately make you a father. Now, one of the elements of Father, as we read in Scripture and as we see in our own lives, is this word patience. And we're going to be talking about patience today. Patience is defined the capacity to accept or tolerate delay, problems, or suffering without becoming annoyed or anxious. Now, it kind of sounds like a little bit of an oxymoron. It sounds like a little bit of an opposite to say patient father, to be patient while having children. And a lot of the people that are like, no, 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 you know, fathers, you know, they, 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 they're, they're meant to be patient. You know, it's 100% possible to be patient. Probably you don't have a child and you don't know what you're talking about. 
Uh, I have, um, for those that don't know, I have five kids. Um, this is uh, the first Father's Day, actually, that I'm celebrating with all five of my children. Um, it's fun because I, I have um, kids that are, my oldest is in uh, high school, in, in their teens, and youngest is you know, only five months old. So I get sort of the range of gifts now. So I get like cards and I get little pictures and these days like I get memes. But I realize my older kids, they're getting older um, and, and they just, you know, they just gave me cash. They just, here's an envelope, dad, here's some cash, go and buy yourself some lunch. And I was like, oh, my kids are getting older. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, it, having been a dad for 14 years uh, can I tell you, being patient, um, it's really hard. It's really, really, really hard. But it's one of those qualities that needs to be around when you're a father. Now, the Bible tells us that God is our heavenly father. Uh, 2 Corinthians 6.18, and, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. 1 John 3.1, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. The reason that the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Psalm 68.5, a father to the fatherless. A defender of widows is God in his holy dwelling. A father to the fatherless. And I think that's really important for us to hear. Because there are a lot of those, uh, there are a lot of people in our, in, in our world that, that do not have fathers. And they might feel like they're orphans, but, but God is saying that, no, no, I, I will be your father. But not only do we know God as our heavenly Father, but one of the qualities of God as our Father, as I've mentioned, is this quality of being patient. God is patient with his children. Very patient, actually. 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Psalm 103, 13, As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. So we see that the quality of patience that our earthly fathers are called to adopt actually comes from our heavenly father who is perfectly patient with his children. The passage that we're going to go today uh, is found in Luke 15 and is titled The Prodigal Son. And, and many of us who have been at church or who, who are new to the church, you probably know this famous story about the son who ran away, the runaway son that came back. But as we go through this story uh, this evening, I want you to not see it from the son's perspective, but I want us to see it from the father's perspective and more specifically, I want you to see the patience that the father exercises towards his children. So it's Luke chapter 15, verse 11, and we'll start 
right there. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Now, before, before we go on, you need to understand a little bit of context. In another version of the, the scriptures, it says, Father, give me my share of my inheritance. Now, when do you receive an inheritance? You receive an inheritance when your parent passes away. Right? When your dad or your mom and they both pass away, the possession and the, the finances that they own get passed down to the children. That's called an inheritance. And so what the second son, the younger son is saying to the father is, give me my inheritance. But what that son is actually saying to the father is this, I do not care about you. You are only as good as the money that you're going to leave me with. So please give that to me now. Give that money to me now. Now, in that culture, that is a big no-no. Um, the punishment for dishonoring your parents or disobeying your parents wasn't just, you know, a slap on the wrist. But Old Testament, right? You disobey your parents, the parents have every right to take that child, take them to the edge of the city gates. The elders of the city are there. They take him and go, look at this punk. He was dishonoring me. He was disobeying me. And the penalty for that is actually death. And those around would throw rocks at the disobedient child until the child had been killed. This father in the story could have taken his ungrateful younger son to the elders and had him killed for being so offensive. And yet we see the father not only doesn't do that, not only doesn't punish him, but actually does and gives what the son asks for, his share of the inheritance. And this is the first incident we see where the father exercises patience. The father exercises patience with the rebellious son. Let's keep going in the story. Luke 15 verse 13. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, which was his dad's money, set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against you. I, sorry, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And so that's how the story goes. The younger son takes the, his part of the inheritance, goes off, goes, they call it wild living, and you can use your imagination, what that wild living, and then and, and squanders the wealth. Squanders the wealth. 
Not only that, he finds himself in a foreign country. He's got no more money, so he has to get a job. So what's he do? He goes out to a, a pig farmer. Now, you've got to understand, we're talking, about, we're talking about Jewish people here, right? Jewish people don't eat pigs, right? For him to actually go and work in the field of pigs, it's not just the low of low. It's the lowest of low, right? And he finds him so hungry, so broke, so rock bottom, the pigs are eating, and he's like, man, that looks good. I want a piece of that. So he's out there and then he comes to his senses. And he goes, wait a minute, man, when I was back at home under my dad's house, even the servants, they had leftover food. Even they had a better life than what I've got now. Let's go back home. Let's go back home and ask for a job. Verse 20, so he got up. And went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. So the son goes back home. And we don't know how long that journey would have taken. But the verse tells us that while he was still a long way off, the father saw him. Now, we don't know, but we can, I think this is a fair assumption. The only reason why the father saw the son while he was still a long way off was because the father was waiting. The father was on the lookout. Once again, we see patience. The father patiently waiting for the son to return home with the hope that the son would return home, sees him from long, long way away. And when the son, you got to remember, right? This is a son that said, dad, I'd rather you dead, so I'm going to take your money, right? Comes back. The father not only sees him from far away, but doesn't just wait on his chair, but runs to the son runs to the son, embraces him, and kisses him. Verse 21, the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. So you've got to imagine this, right? The son's coming. The father's seeing him. The father runs out. You see this in the Hollywood movies. The father then embraces the son and the son's confused. And the son's thought about this speech. The whole journey, he's thought about this speech. I've, I've, I've sinned against heaven and I've sinned against you, Lord. Uh, you know, don't, I'm no longer worthy to be your son. Just give me a job. Can you just give me a job, Dad? I'll just work for you now. And the son starts to blurt out this speech and he doesn't get even halfway when the father completely ignores what the son has to say and instead lavishes on him with the best robe, a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet, and the finest beef steaks in all the land. The father throws a party for the whole neighborhood, for the whole town, because the lost son had returned. It's amazing. 
But his patience doesn't end there. Verse 25. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. Remember, this is the good son. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. Now the old, older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you killed the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be be glad (coughs) because this brother of yours was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and he's found. The older son. The son that was meant to be better. The more responsible. Join in the celebration of the return of his own brother. But what does the father do? The father goes to him. (coughs) The father goes to the son. That's what it says. So his father went out and pleaded with him. He went out to where the son was and the son starts offloading all the all of his frustrations and, and the father just, just sits there and listens to the frustration, listens to the complaints. And then after he's given the son a time to explain and, 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 and vent his frustrations, the, the father then explains to the son the, the significance of, of the return of the younger son, the significance of why they are celebrating. And what we see from the father is that he exercises patience again, but differently to his older son. You know, this is a story that we've probably heard many a time. And one of the reflections that I had while going through this story again was this, that the father was equally patient with the younger, rebellious son and the older, prideful son. The patience was expressed in different ways, but it's pretty crystal clear that the father was patient. Now, this is our God. This is our Heavenly Father who is patient with us. For some of us, He patiently uh, patiently awaits your return. You rebellious children, you that did not want anything to do with God, He just exercised His patience to wait for you. And for some of us, He patiently listens to our hearts, patiently uh, hears out our emotions and thoughts and explains to us and, and wrestles with us some of the concepts on his. Now, I thought about this 
And I thought, what if God wasn't patient? Right? Because if this was me, right, and if, this, if I was the father in the story, the end of the story would have been very different. We, I would have no sons. Right? I would just have two dead sons. One would have died when he told me I want inheritance, and the other would have died when he complained about the cow. Right? I would just have no sons. And it's, it, it's, it's actually really difficult um, to comprehend the depth of patience. And that's what I believe God wants us to hear tonight. That's what God wants us to learn and understand about him tonight, that our Heavenly Father is patient and he's patient with you. That's the only reason why you're alive today. Because God chose to be patient with you. As I said, if I was God, and if you were my son or daughter, right, and I was exercising the level of um, very limited patience that I have, you would all be gone. 100%. But not without God. His heart of patience is so deep that whether you are living a life that is all over the shop, right, just pure disobedience, pure rebellion against God, he will still be patient with you. He will still wait patiently with you. Or, or whether you're just prideful, whether you just think you're just better than everyone else and why doesn't God bless me more because I'm just that much holier. And even though you're exercising judgment, God, even then, chooses to be patient with you. And I think that's something that we need to learn and understand and remember, is that God is patient with us. God could take away your life any, any single moment, but he chooses as a good father to exercise patience. He is that patient father who continues to wait for you, continues to dialogue with you, and most importantly, continues to meet you where you are. As I said, I know that for some of us, we don't, we don't have good fathers. We haven't experienced good fathers. Or, or some of us, we don't have fathers that we can experience that from at all. But let God remind you tonight, that you have a perfect Father in heaven that loves you, that cares about you, who is so patient with you. He's so patient with you. And you ask a question, why? Why is God so patient? And we find the answer in 1 Corinthians 13, 4. It says this, love is patient. Love is patient. The reason why God is the patient father is because he is the loving father. He will love you through the seasons. He will love you on the mountaintop. He will love you in the valley. He will love you when you are walking towards him, and he will love you when you are walking away from him. That's who God is. He is love. And because he is love, 
He can exercise deep patience with you. God is not only the loving and patient Father, but, but he's also a model for us who are earthly fathers on what it means to be a dad. And so tonight I want to finish um, by addressing the, the fathers in our church, the future fathers, the spiritual fathers of our church, and everyone else who needs to know what it means to be a good Father, fathers, be patient. Learn patience with your children. Now, my wife will tell you that I am not a very patient person. And so I know, I know that as I preach this, I need to preach to myself. And I have been this whole week. Doesn't mean that I got it right. Right, a long way off. Maybe that's why God gave me five children to teach me patience, and then I didn't learn. So He gave me another one. We try again, patience, and then He gave me another one, and try again, patience. Then He gave me another one. Right, and you'd sort of think I would learn by now, but obviously not. So He gave me a fifth, and I'm hoping that this is it. Right, like this, like I've done everything. Like that's that's it, right? Like medically speaking, uh, doctors have told me that I cannot have children anymore, right? But you know, God has said whatever is you know impossible for you, He can do. So you know, I'm just saying, like I, you know, God, I think I've learned my lesson, but obviously I need two more, right? So I say this to you and to all the fathers. Right? In, in the most real way, and I don't say this from a, a, a position of learned and education and experience. I actually say this from someone that struggles with this, very much so. Right? We need to learn to be patient. Uh, mums help facilitate your partners to be patient and help them to raise and encourage our children in patience. Why? Because love is patient. If you love your child, which I know all the fathers in our community do, then we need to learn to express that through patience. Ephesians 4, 2, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Uh, What's funny about this verse is we read this verse and we think about it, especially to do with people in the church, you know, other Christians. And it seems for us to be very normal to be challenged to be patient with other members of the church, with um, newcomers, with neighbors, with strangers. But when it comes to our own family, And when it comes to our own children, it's like it doesn't exist. It's like there's a separate set of rules. But in the same way God is patient with us, his children, we are called to be patient with our own children. 
And by doing so, we get to love our children and honour our Heavenly Father who models this patience to us. Now, once again, even as I say this, I, 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 I feel like the biggest hypocrite. Um, you know, I, I lack patience with my kids. Like I, I need to put aside some money now to pay for my kids' counselling later. Like I know this. Right, So, you know, I've been doing ministry for 15 plus years, right? And so much of the counseling that I do, we find out a lot of it comes from uh, parental issues, right? Issues that you had uh, growing up with your parents, right? And they are rooted. And then these issues, they come up as an adult. I know this. And, and I look at my kids. And then I look at myself in the mirror. And I need to just start putting money away. You know, just put a little fund you know, so when the kids are ready to deal with their emotions and issues, you know, I'll fund that. You know, and it is a challenge. You know, it's a challenge. It's a real challenge. Because you know what? Being a dad, being a dad is, is, is one of the greatest things in the world. It's one of the hardest things in the world too. You know, being the dad, you, you not only are you called to be the, the, the primary provider in the house, you're called to be the leader in the house, you're called to be the guidance in the house, you know, you're, you're called to be the protector of the house. You know, you, you're called to, you know, exceed and excel in, in, in society. You know, there's all this pressure on what it means to be a dad. And, and I just want to acknowledge that it's hard. You know, like I speak to, you know, dads all the time. And it's like, guys come up and go, man, I love my kids, but I want to kill my kids. Like that's real fathering, right? Like that's legit the real deal. And then I just thought, you know what? I think God would feel like that sometimes as well. I really love you kids, but mate, if I could... And he can, but he chooses not to. It's hard. It's hard. You know, I'm always you know, snappy with the kids, telling the kids to hurry up. I'm trying to squeeze them into my schedule. I'm trying to get them to do things that I want to do, but I don't want to do the things they want to do. Right? I'm not meeting them. It's so different to how God is with us. But we need to not just love our children, but we need to learn to be patient with them too. If love is other-centered, then when you love your children, you have to throw away your agenda and framework and you need to learn to step into their space. You need to learn to meet them where they are, whether they're one, whether they're two, whether they're eight, whether they're 10, whether they're 14, whether they're 24. We need to step into their space because that's exactly what God did for us. In his patience and in his love, he stepped into our space and met us where we were. 
friends, our Heavenly Father is patient. He's patient with you. He's patient with your family. He's patient with your neighbours. And it's something that you just need to know today and be grateful for. I am so grateful that our God is patient because I know me. Like, I, like we, we read the story of Luke 15 and you go, oh, man, that rebellious son. And then you go, oh, man, the older son. Oh, what a prideful son. You know what? I, I'm, like a, I, I'm like the combination of both of those sons. Right? I would drag, if I was my own father in that time, I would drag myself to the city gates. But I'm so grateful that our God is patient. And so I'm so grateful that we have a heavenly father that is patient with us. And even for all of our dads, who hand on heart would know how difficult it is to be patient with our own children, God is patient with you as well. So friends, tonight, know that your heavenly father is patient with you because he loves you, no matter where you're at, and he'll meet you where you're at. And for all the earthly fathers, the fathers in our church community, I pray that you would learn and exercise patience in the same way God is patient with his children and that you will learn from him how to raise your children. Let's pray.